0: Welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we talk about things that matter through a biblical lens. Hey, if you're interested in following us along in our podcast journey, you can always subscribe through Apple or Spotify, and also YouTube. Just type in Ignite Global Ministries, hit the bell for notifications. And if you forget all that, just go to conversationswithbendixon.com. It has all the information there that you want to know. We drop a new episode every Monday on different topics that either come from you or come from my heart. And we always have a special special guest. And today joining me is Pastor John Hammer from Sunrise Christian Center. What's going on, man? Hello there. Nice to be with you guys. Pastor John is one of my best friends and uh, lead pastor up in Everett. You can look him up on Facebook and Instagram and everything else. He'd love to connect with you. But today what we're going to be talking about is revival. And the fact is, is that we both are people that are believing God for revival. So I want to talk to Pastor John about this. I know this is your heart. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, and so this is just something that I think is really important, especially because if you've been watching or listening to the podcast, you know that we've talked about racism and racial reconciliation and extremism and dealing with leadership failure. And listen, what is the answer to all these things? The fact is, yeah. if we don't have revival, right. all we're going to do is talk about all these other bad things that are going on in the world that don't seem to have changed. Yeah. because there is one change agent, and he's not me and he's not you. Yeah. His name is Jesus. That's right. And we need Jesus to revive our hearts. And so, hey, we got to jump right in. And I just... John, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, because I know you've been a person that contends for revival Mm -hmm. ever since I've known you. I've known you 12 years or whatever, and it seems like from the first time that we met, we kind of joined hearts, in a sense, Mm -hmm. to see the Holy Spirit move. And so I think we always want to define our terms and understand our hearts. So what is revival? When somebody asks you the question, like, hey, what is revival? What do you say?
1: Yeah, Uh, to me, it would be a movement of God. Uh, of the Holy Spirit, reviving the church to bring mm-hmm. us back into holiness, obedience, wholehearted devotion to the Lord. And then that would result in a fiery church that has an influence in the world mm-hmm. to bring lost people to Christ mm-hmm. and a, and then ultimately to bring change to cities, to change to society as a result of the fruit of what God does in the church. And then through the people that get added to the church through an awakening uh, and a movement of His spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, I know you're a church that praise for this and mm-hmm. obviously if we're going to talk about revival we're going to yeah. preach about it. Yeah. It implies that something is either dead or asleep. Right. And so I suppose when we're t- sharing about this and saying hey we're praying for we're believing mm-hmm. for this, I guess my question also is wh- what's dead or what's asleep? What do we need God to do? I mean, what's your pulse mm-hmm. on let's just say the church right now? I mean, what what yeah. are you asking God to do? Well, I'm
1: I think when we're asking God to do a great work in the church, we are acknowledging our need or we're, we're acknowledging that we're, there's a gap between our current reality and our potential. That'd be the nicest way to say it, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be the more positive ways. Like, we have you you got more potential, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but we really, but we do. Like, if we look at the promises of His Word, we look at what's mm-hmm. promised to us by Christ, we look at what's demonstrated through the Christ and the apostles and then through church history, and we say, are we living in that reality? And you know, we probably we compare and contrast, right, to some degree, our lives and experience with what we read about in biblical history and church history. And we say, oh man, there seems to be a gap between what we experience regularly mm-hmm. and what they oh, yeah. experience. And of course, we probably have most. Of, we probably think of most of their highlight reels when we right, compare ourselves. Right. Um, and so uh, sometimes that's maybe not always accurate for the holistic picture of how our whole lifespan functions in a, in our in the generation we live, or in the church that we're a part of. So we uh, so when I'm praying for revival or, or in in like the why why are we doing this uh, we're praying we're praying for it because we we sense that God wants to do more and we see uh, I think it's hard to separate even what happens in the church from what happens in the culture. Uh, Because there seems to be such a direct correlation Mm -hmm. between political, social, moral issues that happen in the culture and then how Mm -hmm. that influences the church. And I would say even how that influences preachers. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot is how preachers and thinkers are influenced, Mm -hmm. right? Seminaries, uh, authors that write to preachers, then these messages... You know, If they're influenced by culture, they start having an effect on their churches, especially if they're more influenced by culture than by the word of God, Mm -hmm. right? And so I I think that we're looking at the state of the church. We're looking at the state of social issues Mm -hmm. uh, that are happening, and it breaks our hearts because we don't see people living in peace. We don't, we feel, I feel so much division and hatred. I feel so much strife. I feel so much judgment. Um, And I see people looking for so many solutions that maybe aren't like what, what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught—like mm-hmm. Jesus started a movement of disciples that he mm-hmm. he knew. I, I believe he always had the church in mind. Uh, he didn't just have hanging out with buddies on a boat only. I mean, that's a right. part of discipleship <laughs> in the church, but he had the church in mind. And so, uh, I think trying to get us back into that that place of wholehearted obedience uh, is really ultimately the prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, behind it is that Christians would really live their faith, you Mm -hmm. know, that we would would be the church that Jesus prayed that we would be.
0: Right, right. I mean, I think for me, like one of the markers of of revival is... We've talked about this earlier Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. thought it was really helpful. And so I want to kind of bring it back to the podcast conversation is that sometimes if if we're not careful we'll get stuck in thinking that revival is sort of just like one event. Yeah. And then people as we pray and mm-hmm. as we believe or the ones that are most like fervent about it get sort of exasperated because we're we're not sure if we're seeing it or not like mm-hmm. um and then people get sort of tired, like we're, we're praying, we're believing for something, I don't think I'm seeing it, right. it doesn't look like what I saw, and mm-hmm. the books I've read about the Welsh Revival or Azusa Street or The Great Awakening, and so, because that was just like sweeping and right. it affected like society, mm-hmm. and of course, in a book, you read it, it just, it's like from one chapter to the next, Right. and we don't even think, it's like sometimes the book of Acts, we don't realize the book of Acts is 30 chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, 28 chapters, and it's over the span of 30 years. Yeah, And um, I mean, from my understanding in the Book of Acts commentaries, it's about 100,000 people came to Christ in the the span of about 30 years is what mm-hmm. they say. Um, but there are movements in history where mm-hmm. we see 100,000 people come to Christ in less than five years, yeah. or three years, actually, that mm-hmm. you read about. And so when we look at Um, When we look at sometimes the books, there are movements that are sweeping that, I mean, really are powerful and they're maybe seldom or they do come and and go. But even when I look at the process of an awakening of Mm -hmm. God, a movement of the Lord, like the book of Acts, it's 30 years, it's 100,000 people come to Christ. You know, we want to see, I mean, I'll take whatever increase God gives, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we don't see the unfolding process. And I think people can get exasperated. They can get sort of like... Um, disinterested at some point mm-hmm. because they feel like they don't see this event, yeah, this right. cataclysmic outpouring mm-hmm. like in one moment, right like we read about and stuff so how how do you teach and position and posture yourself and and those yeah. that you lead to kind of like contend for the long haul hey we're we're asking God to move not just today or tomorrow or or having yeah. an event, we want to live in revival. We yeah. we want to be revived. We want to live in awakening, and it doesn't have to look like this or that, but how do you help position yourself and other people so that they're not um, misunderstanding yeah. and, and exasperated and giving up on yeah, what we're good. talking about? That's a
1: good question. I mean, there's... There's a lot of different kind of revivals through Mm -hmm. biblical history and and church history. And we could dive into that more too. So that's part of it is like our expectations, like revival is a loaded word. Some people think, well, revival is different than renewal. It's different than awakening, which is different than reformation. And I kind of like, to me, the terms are used interchangeably and some people get really zeroed in on the definitions, but because people in the church... Uh, we carry we have expectation which is good and we we should have some definition for these things right as we believe for them, mm-hmm. of course, but we tend to like have the like when one person says it they think it looks like something else mm-hmm. like well, we got to have three or four hour church services seven days a week
0: right. and
1: if we don't do and 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 for many weeks like in, right. in fact so many weeks that people are internationally flying to our church or our city yep. to come experience these meetings, You know, because that's what revival is in. There's uh, healing revivals um, throughout. Uh, church history, mm-hmm. um, you know, even more modern day. I'd say we've probably seen more healing renewals, like and outpourings of the Spirit, like in Toronto, in mm-hmm. Pensacola. There's um, preaching revivals with like Whitfield and Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, Moody and there's, yeah, like others, yeah, yeah, yeah. DL Moody you got like more of the word based revivals, yep, right, yep, where it's yep. like just the preaching of the word. Finney was like a, really a word based revival and calling people. A, it was a repentance revival, really calling people mm-hmm. to you know full repentance. So there was a lot, and there's so many different revivals. We you could kind of tag what they're. Main theme mm-hmm. was the Azusa Street revival, was you know, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and had elements of of uh, racial reconciliation on the early part that kind of got went sideways, unfortunately. And then you got part, of course, it was ultimately about a power to be a witness. And the greatest missions movement and church planning movement mm-hmm. across the world is still happening because of Azusa Street and the Pentecostal, you know, the Pentecostal movement. Um, so there's a lot of things that people carry these preconceived ideas. I like what Finney said that. Is like revival is nothing if not a fresh obedience to God.
0: Amen. Um, yeah, that's great. So
1: he, well, that's something we can participate in today. It's not just a future event. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can actually carry an unhealthy shame, um, I just heard one of my mentors, Bishop Joseph Matera mm-hmm. from New York, talk to us about this. That like if we keep pushing our people like kind of in a fleshly way, like we got to make this happen, um, mm-hmm. we can actually create a. And even or even over our own lives or perceptions we can create a shame based thinking attached to revival like if I would have just prayed more and fasted more and if the church would really get their act together more and we can start actually getting angry um, at ourselves at our movements even at our pastors or leaders or as pastors and leaders we can get angry at our people because if they would just be more dedicated then we would have a greater move of God but it's like is that about our name being known? Is that about us being famous? <laughs> for, ha- for being the elite Christians that have the move of God? You know mm-hmm. what is this really about, and what does it really look like? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really we're calling people into wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Revival right. should right. be about Jesus. You know, we're doing these things called revival nights at our church this year, and like to me, it's the Jesus night. I did not know what to call it—awakening night, Jesus night, revival night. I just want Jesus. <laughs> I want people to want Him. I want. Yeah. I want Power to give Him night. space. Yeah. 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 Gotta, right. We got to call it Ghostbuster night. Cast <laughs> yeah, right. your demon out night. Yeah. To get, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever you came night. with, you're leaving without. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, but we we just want people to come into like maximum contact with Jesus. I think like John Wimber had a phrase that is about, it's like electric current is about maximum contact with minimum resistance. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we want. We want believers to have maximum contact with the person and power of Christ, the Holy spirit. Right. And minimum, uh, minimum, uh, what did I say? Conflict or (laughs) resistance, minimum resistance. Yeah. You said, yeah, I said it, but minimum resistance, right? We, so it's getting rid of, Turning from sin, turning from compromise, letting God deal with the motives of our heart Mm -hmm. and having those times of vulnerability, repentance, brokenness before the Lord, but also having him empower us and strengthen us and commission us. And uh, to to be close to him, and really yeah. about his glory and his name. And I think when people realize it's something they can participate in today, like how are you repenting today? How are you sharing your faith today? How are you mm-hmm. spending time in prayer and devotion? Like are you? I think we create an environment for revival. We create a culture or an atmosphere for it. And even when we were doing revival nights, and it, I think it's hap- it, it happens in a lot of different events and movements, right? But people are like, oh, so these events are they like for you to contend for revival? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of tired of just contending. We're going to keep contending for it, but I'm tired of just contending where we only just pray for this big coming day. And then, you know, all the ills of society will be gone and the church right. will grow and all our marriages and family will work again. It's like, ah oh, maybe, I hope so. But uh So, but I could, what can we do today to be a part of it? And so I want to have meetings where we just come to experience revival and awakening. And I think, you know, some of the stories I've heard from the saints of old and testimonies of people that have been in revivals, like they were in church so in church meetings so much. And I, I, I mean, so part of me hopes that there's times where, like my church and churches in our city, have times where you are open every night and God's doing such a crazy work that we're a part of that. But I've heard some testimonies where, like, people went to church so much, like they didn't have time mm-hmm. to influence their neighborhood or community. Their their marriages actually struggled a little bit because they didn't have time to communicate and work through things. So different stresses in life pile up. Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to take? the trash, who's going to do the landscaping. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the pressures of life. Kids didn't see their parents as much. And like parents got really excited about church, but the kids they wouldn't maybe bring the kids or the kids didn't want to come. So anyway, it it's like we got to think, like, what does revival really look like? I think, hopefully, holistically, that's that it's a way of life, not just yeah. church meetings yeah, exactly. that go for a long time, exactly. But yeah. it's like we want this to, if we want it to impact our city, it's got to impact our marriages, our family, our yeah. our business dealings, uh, the way we serve our community, mm-hmm. um, and the way that we love those outside of the faith, uh, with mm-hmm. the love of Christ, that they hopefully they could have a chance to know him as Lord, you know. So, anyway, I'm just going.
0: Well, and that's why. <laughs> I have a special
1: guest today,
0: because you need to go. Uh, one of the things that I think about, I mean, in the Bible, God designed things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we kind of... Uh, today, we struggle with our society. Mm-hmm. Reforming definitions of something that we hold sacred—that <laughs> yeah, God right. designed. So God designed mm-hmm. marriage, right? God designed mm-hmm. gender. God designed a bunch. Of, you know, these these are things that God uh, created. These things mm-hmm. are biblically true. And so we, you know, we, obviously the world kind of changes all that. But uh, the reason I bring that up is because I feel like part of what we need in the reviving work of God is for him to touch the things that he designed to mm-hmm. be the greatest and highest example yeah. to the world of the of the beauty of what they're often right. trying to distort and change like so for example um, obviously, we hold a biblical sexual ethic, right. and so we would see homosexuality and transgenderism or gender dysphoria mm. as a, sort of a deviant version of sexuality right. and something that God didn't create mm-hmm. or design. But the interesting thing is, is that sometimes just saying something is wrong is simply not enough. And I think right. when revival comes, it, revival, a, an awakening of God will touch a marriage in such a way where it becomes a beautiful example. Right. Not I'm not suggesting we don't stand against Mm. uh, false ideas and ideologies and and speak truth in love, Mm -hmm. but I do think that if we're not focusing on God reviving us and asking Him Mm -hmm. to fill our lives and fill our homes and fill our hearts and touch everything that He made, God made this, and if it really is better, Mm -hmm. then it should be a shining example. And I think sometimes the angriest people are the ones that are trying to take a stand and their marriage is not good and their kids don't like them and and they're not raising their children in the admonition right. of the Lord and they wonder why people around them don't like them and sometimes yeah. it's not because they're just speaking the truth sometimes mm-hmm. it's because the truth of who God is and what God wants to do mm-hmm. in people which is what we advocate is not such a shining example you right. know and so when when i pray for revival Holistically, I am praying that all of our marriages mm-hmm. and our homes and our children and all our right. young people and our kids are prophesying. Mm-hmm. And like my daughter, I remember she, um, the first time she ever prophesied, I think she was four. Yeah, And that would, to me was like a touch or a taste of what exactly I'm praying for. I'm right. not just praying for more great church meetings. I mean, uh-huh. here's the thing I don't want to die of boredom. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't we, want. Yeah, we need great <laughs> church meetings. I don't want you to come to my <laughs> but we church. We don't want you to <laughs> stop and, there. <laughs> and, yeah. And I think. I think it's really important that like we do enter these gatherings that we mm-hmm. have and not just pray for something out there. And so one thing we've been saying at our church lately is we're in revival. Amen. And the reason we're saying that is because we believe it. That's good. We're experiencing it. We're receiving it. The the spirit of awakening is upon us. Yeah. You know, he's anointed us to bring to preach good news to the poor, to set captives mm-hmm. free, to open blind eyes. That reality is here. And if you live it, if you believe that, then you can pull it in, right? You just pull it in. And so um, one of the things that I feel like is a proper ingredient Mm -hmm. to experience revival in a greater magnitude, you know, maybe throughout our church and even in our city city and region is prayer. Mm -hmm. And so Leonard Ravenhill said this, and Mm -hmm. it's stuck in my mind. He he said, I don't know much about uh, jets, but I know they don't run on lawnmower engines. Yeah. And what he was trying to say was is that if the prayer movement is mm-hmm. 10 people yeah. and traditional services are 2,500 people, yeah. he's saying, I don't, I don't know much about jets, but I know <laughs> they don't... Like, so the, pr- the prayer of the yeah. church cannot be the smallest part of the church. What he was saying was, is that wherever he's seen a movement of prayer Mm -hmm. in the church, it starts to sweep through and take over Mm -hmm. and really begin to birth something in people Mm -hmm. that is kind of uncontainable. And so what I say in our church, which I believe, and I know you do, is that... when you see people praying, yeah. you are seeing a revival. Right. You are seeing a reviving work of God mm-hmm. to get people to do corporate prayer. Because corporate yeah. prayer is funky. Yeah. Yeah. Right? People get mm-hmm. in a room, we don't know what to do. Like, who's praying? Sister So and so brother, brother Bobby, whoever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. we don't know. Like, do I wait? Do I pray? Do uh-huh. we all pray at the same time? She's speaking in tongues loudly uh-huh. over there. Do we need an interpretation? It gets kind of like confusing. And so a lot of people kind of come to that because they think order is like, sit mm-hmm. on my hands, mm-hmm. be quiet, give the offering here, sing the song here, don't shout too loud there. Somebody gives a prophecy, a tongue and interpretation. Yeah. Decently in order is is almost like been interpreted. It as uh-huh. perfect uh-huh. and no issues, you know, right. like, and and then we call the church a family. Like yeah. really, I don't know about I don't know about you, but like my family does not work like that. You yeah. know, somebody just runs in while we're watching a movie, and they're all loud, and we're like shh, and yep. it's just super weird. You know, you've got like right. five hundred children. Yeah. So when we talk about Four, family, close. <laughs> when we talk about family, it's messy and it's loud and it's mm-hmm. um it's like order is about us working together and flowing together yeah. and be able to respond. Yeah but not perfect and, and, uh-huh. and uh, nobody says anything out of tune, right? And so I think sometimes um, we kind of just gloss over the fact that I think something as maybe not beautiful mm-hmm. as, as a, prayer, a corporate prayer meeting is just mm-hmm. really what precedes what we're asking yeah. for. And, I, and, and not just the meeting itself, but this contending, this long-term right. obedience in the same direction of asking God to mm-hmm. do what God wants to do you know, in pieces and in events and Mm -hmm. in holistic lives and homes and hearts Mm -hmm. and marriages and families, but that we stay true to to the prayer. Have you seen... um, I know you believe prayer is an essential component, Uh but what have you seen in your church and in your life as prayer kind of has this updraft in your life? Do you see things begin to change and happen and grow in your own life and in the church? Yes.
1: I mean, my dad... Started our church, you know, I grew up in a preacher's home, and uh, he was lead pastor and founder of our church. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's a whole nother story that I don't want to start going down that rabbit trail. But I love yeah, my yeah, dad, yeah. great story, and yeah. so my we wife. We love you, Doctor yeah, Dan. Dan yeah. we love you. So my, you know, Grace and I are honored to continue the legacy of my parents and be lead pastors and all. But he cre- he had a culture of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer, and so. Like, uh, I just came from an hour of praying with men. I mean, before COVID, we would probably have about 60-some men every Friday morning just crying out to God together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got other prayer meetings, prayer groups, prayer house, people come in alone. We've done prayer conferences. Last summer, during we just did—I think we did three nights a week. We did— corporate prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and so and that's partly why I'm doing revival nights now is because I felt like I had to give expression to what we prayed for last summer Amen. because yeah, we kept right. praying for us, so like, let's make more space for mm-hmm. for uh, God to move. So prayer is a huge, it's, it's necessary. I mean, it's necessary for the Christian life. I think it's necessary for discipleship. I mean, I think knowing the word and prayer, the two, you know, fundamental non-negotiables for being a disciple of mm-hmm. Jesus, but in some ways it's like when you get someone to pray, and experience the Holy Spirit, experience the presence of God. I feel like it really helps their Bible study and the rest of their growth. And I think mm-hmm. it's actually kind of a lost part component of discipleship. I think mo- more Christians would grow and more Christians would be successful in discipleship if mm-hmm. they spent a lot of time in prayer with the person they're discipling. Right, yeah. Amen. Yeah, so Let's... I just really think that prayer is a powerful part of discipleship. So it should be foundational for every believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's necessary for revival, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And then You know, there was times like the Layman's Prayer Revival um, that was before the Civil War, which is interesting that it, it had a huge impact on our nation, but it wasn't big enough to stop a civil war. <laughs> right, so sometimes we right. think if we have a real revival in the church, it'll solve all of society's ills, which sometimes it has led to that. Like there was great social reforms from a lot of the revivals that have happened throughout church history, but there's other times where it didn't, you know, it did bring a lot of people to Christ and and who knows what else. Maybe it prevented some of those events from being even worse than they were. It's it's hard to it's hard to argue uh, what, what, what I think you prevented.
0: It's an interesting point. You just mm-hmm. brought up something that kind of is... Uh, I've been thinking about a lot because I do hear people today because they are unhappy with the politics, Mm -hmm. they're unhappy with the politicians, they're unhappy with the legislation. And so as a result of that, I keep hearing things like this, like, if the church would have prayed, if the church would have, then this would not have happened. But... (laughs) When I look at revivals in history, in yeah. some of the biographies I've read and whatnot, what I've seen is when revival happens, sometimes the church gets awakened. Yeah. Their message is fiery. Their witness is bold. People do come to Christ, but they get they get killed for it. Like, yeah. The, in other I, words, the contrast becomes so different. The revival I, didn't change the nation all the time. It actually brought more people into yeah. the kingdom, but those that were of the nation actually got darker right. and persecuted them mm-hmm. as a result of it. And, uh, and so I've seen that. I've seen the rebuttal against the revival, which was the persecution. And so I yeah. I think when people say that kind of stuff, like, if the church would have done this, then uh-huh. this bad thing would have happened. And it's like, oh, well, I, I don't know exactly. We, I, I mean, are you a prophet? Yeah, <laughs> you, well, you, <laughs> you know, like, you know a Prophet maybe. so-and-so just showed right. up and said, if we if we would have prayed, and mm-hmm. I, I hope, by the way, if we say that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I hope that means that you're desperate for God and like yeah. literally contending, because if yeah. you're not... Don't make these hypocritical well, statements. I mean, do you see how I'm giving a correction oh, yeah. through the podcast? It's oh, really amazing. Oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Pastors do that but, all the time. We try to act like we yeah, don't. Yeah, I mean, I think, so honestly, like I
1: had not yeah. seen so many Christians pray for political issues in my—I'm 40 years old, so in my 40 year, you know years of existence, I have not seen people pray so fervently for election and political issues and moral issues uh, than they are right now. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking if this—so if, this do, if so to say that we haven't prayed enough, I'm like, I, I think that we have— Uh, gotten off focus sometimes when we're contending for revival. I think... I definitely think liberalism, secularism, progressivism, whatever you want to call it, has crept into the church. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of moral compromise that mm-hmm. breaks the heart of God. And w- morality is not what saves us. Morality is not what brings revival, right? But the, but the, there is a standard of, of God's word. And there is a holiness and a fear of God that comes through revival that should restore us to biblical morals based on love and a dedication to God, right, to, to a holy life. Amen. And then, But then there's also the... The focus of like of the fundamentalism, almost that like we can kind of through law, through the right politicians, right. we're gonna get everybody. We're gonna get our country back. And in a way, uh, that to God's people ways, people are
0: believing that'll be a revival. Yeah, and they're thinking that'll cause revival. They're thinking, uh, and that is a great picture of how uh-huh. people are placing and their faith in the wrong person, personality, right. or process, and it's, to see something change in our well, land.
1: It's more of an Old Testament paradigm where you got to get the right prophet or king, mm-hmm. kind of in, really the right king in place. And then, and you, we see that, we see Old Testament revivals with, you know, King Josiah in, and obviously King David, in a sense, brought his people back to, you know... Covenant. And then, in some experiences, Solomon, in some ways, Solomon got to, at least initially, kind of ride on the fruitfulness of his father and have an amazing, some amazing glory encounters and peace on all sides and God's blessing. And all um, the
0: while he had moral uh, compromise. Right. But life. he went He went wayward, stay away right. from the ladies. He went wayward. And then in yeah.
1: Nehemiah, when they rebuild Nehemiah and Ezra, there's pictures of revival. so yep. But there's more of that idea of like, if we get all the laws right, which we do need good laws, you know, and I think it's, mm-hmm. I thank God for. Christians that influence government and all that, I think we do need to have yeah, a voice into the public square on, on every issue. God cares about every issue. It's kind of, just, well, at least on the moral issues. Well, they're all moral issues, really. Budgets are moral issues. How we treat people are moral issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and then there are, of course, like the traditional moral views of like marriage, sanctity of life that we've categorized as moral, but people being honest, <laughs> people having integrity, that's a moral issue. It's all moral. <laughs> it's all yeah, moral. It, it, yeah. it, it,
0: it may not be, it may not be uh, presented that way, right. Um, it n- it may not be processed that way today, but mm-hmm. for us, everything is yeah.
1: but I think we're yeah. in the context of revival, like we're we're talking about how we, you know, if we would have just mm-hmm. done more, we could have got these things to happen. and w- yeah, the the end results of revival are sometimes death, you know, or, um, martyrdom, persecution, mm-hmm. isolation, uh, even reading um, Constantine reading some church history about Constantine, and when he came to power, you know, some historians look at it as he was favorable towards the church, but there's other historians that argue with some strong evidence that he was favorable towards the church, but it was more of a manipulation for him to consolidate power and create peace. So he was really using the church in a lot of ways, and he still had a lot of, like, paganism and a lot of, uh, Mm -hmm. like, Polytheism. There was a lot of other gods and idols that he had decorating some of the places like his palace and there were places that he ruled or lived. Uh, so uh, it's hard It's hard to say. There may be some examples like in Great Britain in history where there was a political leader that helped bring some reforms that g- got the nation to pray more and seek the face of God. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say across the board 100% because I haven't read every, about every revival or all of, all of church history, right? Um, but for the most part, you don't, you don't see any revivals dependent. In fact, in a, in the U S there was a great revival, the first great awakening before we were a country. But after 1776, we got so focused on the, the churches got so focused on politics mm-hmm. that People believe we were a Christian nation to the degree that you kind of don't need church. You don't need to build Christian institutions when your nation's Christian. And the morals actually declined. Church attendance declined. We needed a second great awakening. Mm -hmm. And people are always like, well, we were so, if we could always go back to how, how it was, you know, back in the early days when we were really biblical and really Christian, it's like, well, there are some great biblical foundations of our laws that even have, you know, given way to positive movements, like all men are created equal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and are endowed by a certain rights by their creator. Like th- that, that idea is powerful. It's it's mm-hmm. a biblical foundation. But, uh, but to say that like, we were always like, why do we need a first great awakening? It wasn't cause we were these great Christian moral people that mm-hmm. were, it's because we were broken and sinful. And really there was a lot of immorality. I mean, there was a lot of abortion in our country in the early years. You know, it wasn't even uh, it wasn't made illegal for like a long time into our history. You know. Well, let's talk. So, a, let me
0: let me let me segue because you yeah. brought up like ten points. <laughs> I know. That's I I, 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 <laughs> d- I do think there's a general frustration in a lot of Christians today, uh, namely about politics mm-hmm. and uh, societal transformation over over the last several years. And we've seen that frustration, and so yeah, people do want. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we want better laws. Of course, yeah. we want politicians that care about Those things do matter and righteousness. But I do think when you put your faith mm-hmm. into the legislation, into the politician, into the personalities, mm-hmm. um, there is there is sort of uh, something that's very alarming. And I think instead of Jesus, now people would say it's a both and. Mm -hmm. I don't always know what they mean by that, because right now I don't don't know that I feel that the church of Jesus Christ is completely devoted to Jesus Christ. And so for us to just automatically go, well, it's a both and, it skips over the fact that I would say the church in America has declined significantly. In mm-hmm. fact, through the pandemic, I was reading something in the mm-hmm. Seattle Times, and I think it was a an op-ed for Washington Post. I think they yeah. sort of just mm-hmm. retweeted it in, in their own paper. And I was reading how um, the statistics show that through the pandemic and the metrics that they have based on online and in person, that now church attendance, as we're coming back, mm-hmm. is over 50% in decline. And yeah. even as they've... Sh- even as they watched the metrics for the online community and online church, it's actually still retained that fifty percent decline. Mm. And so, I don't, I don't, and we're talking about attendance. We're yeah. not even talking about prayer, how you raise your kids, right? Um, how you, you know, reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think all of that follows as well because I think the public reading of Scripture yeah. and coming together and all of those things actually sensitize our hearts. Yes. They transform us. They change us. They bring us to a place where we want more of God. We see the beauty of Jesus. Yeah. We're challenged we're accountable, and we want to go forward with Christ and really be his disciples and followers. So I do think there's a recovery upon us. I do think we need to rebuild. Um, not just to where maybe we think we once were, but I think there's a moving forward into a greater fullness. Right. And I do think there's a stronger commitment to those, I don't want to use the word remnant, mm-hmm. but for those that have stayed true to the Lord over the yeah. last year, I really think the commitment is stronger. And yeah. I think that that means there's more hope for us to move into what God right. is doing. And so what I'm what I'm thinking um, lately, when we say revival is upon us in our church, and we're yeah. talking about prayer, and we're calling people into that commitment. I've personally, as a pastor, I've gotten bolder mm-hmm. with the people of God, not harsher. Right. I don't judge people as though I'm not a, you know, a son of God myself or a disciple of Jesus mm-hmm. myself, but I've realized that like, for us to really have what God wants to do, we've got to stop playing games. Yeah. We've got to stop acting like we're all good. Mm-hmm. We've got to stop um, putting our hope in other places. I mean, you can hope for an outcome, but yeah. you can't put your hope in an outcome. Right. And so, yeah. I personally think for us to really have revival, we really have to, like you've said before in our church, even when you preached here, is is that it's got us. It has to be in the pulpits. Yeah. It has to be in the people. Mm-hmm. We've got to have a sweeping commitment to Christ that is something that we see in what we read about in the biographies yeah. and church right. history, whether or not we have the same event or mm-hmm. or the outpouring that they had may not be the outpouring that we have, but what we must have is what preceded that yeah. awakening. And so for, for me, it's prayer, it's devotion to God... It's getting sold out to the Word, sold out to evangelism, mm-hmm. sold out to our marriages, sold out to reaching our children's right. hearts and raising them up in Christ, um, and reaching whoever it is that God puts in our sphere of influence. Now, I want to ask you this because we aren't going to have a lot of time, mm-hmm. but I think this is really important. Two questions that I have, yeah. and, and then that's probably all we have time yeah. for. Uh, we should keep talking about this, of course. Number one, what what is a revival, whether it's current or historical, mm-hmm. that has that you've read about, watched, mm-hmm. that's touched your life, that you yeah. feel like changed you, and you would recommend somebody reading this, watching this, yeah. whatever. What is well, something that literally touched you? Uh, I think
1: well, there's a lot of them, um, but I think Finney's revival is the greatest. I think his theology's a little wacky, okay, <laughs> um, but he's the greatest revivalist that we've seen in our in our country, yeah. I think, and in, in maybe in church history. Um, the results are incredible. Uh, and they didn't even have big groups. I think what I take from that one, and I'll tell you the other one that's the most impactful for me, um, but he's my runner up. Um, and that is that uh, he didn't have, I do believe in large corporate prayer, and I think it is, precedes a lot of revivals, but Finney didn't have big corporate prayer. Mm. He had small groups of prayer. He had like one or two people praying with him, like father Nash and Abel Clary were like two of his intercessors and they would pull heaven into a city and they would mm. pray and contend and mm. they'd go fast and pray for two or three days or they'd pray through the night and they'd then go, to they'd the go city before yeah, you know, to, yeah yeah and, yeah, and then yeah, they'd clean up like they'd go He'd walk. Finney would walk in and basically live out the prayers that they prayed the mm. week or two before. Sometimes it was just they weren't having they weren't having a breakthrough in a city, so they go pray all night and then they'd come the next day and they'd have a breakthrough. It was like the the results of the to see the fruit of their prayers. Like yeah. in Finney's biography, um, it's kind of hard read, but the autobiography <laughs> of Finney, um, just because of the way it, his, the English was at that time and the way we read now. Anyway, but uh, the the direct impact of prayers being answered. Like directly and almost yeah. immediately is incredible. That's what hit me the most. Um, and then, the my favorite example is I believe he's the I believe his pattern is according to the book of Acts in a lot of ways, and that's John Wesley. Mm-hmm. And I like the Wesley and the Methodist revivals because Wesley had this. He was like a, ref, a, a part of the Great Awakening, a proclaimer, awakening, mm-hmm. like mass salvations, power of God being poured out, people crying out in repentance, um, the power of God hitting people, people. You know, he used to pray, uh, send a revival without the mess, and then ba- basically in our vernacular, and then uh, he but then he started praying later, God, send a revival, and if there's a mess, just send it anyway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, because Cause it was happening Yeah, because no it was what. happening yeah. no matter what. Yeah. There were still people's flesh and reactions mm-hmm. getting involved. But people would manifest under the power of God, be physically healed. I think deliverances were happening. I don't think they had language for it, but people were delivered mm-hmm. um, and and, and had these power encounters with God, had visions and all these crazy things happening. Um, um, and then also though he believed in discipleship and he believed that the kingdom didn't expand through just these exciting events, but through he called them class meetings. We would call them home groups, cell yeah. churches, house churches, whatever yeah. now, uh life groups, whatever. But he he they discipleship kept, groups. Yeah, they were discipleship groups, yeah. They they confessed sin to each other. Yeah. They uh, they prayed together and he broke it, it reformed it wasn't just the big meetings; it was the daily lifestyle of being yeah, a follower yeah. of Christ and integrating Christ into every area of your life—your marriage, your home, your workplace. It's kind of funny he didn't have the healthiest marriage because um, he was kind of like a workaholic and married to the ministry. Maybe, but his theology, his pra- the practical theology. Um, that he discipled people in was very much – because in the book of Acts, we see the large gatherings, we see them scatter to small gatherings, and we see teams of leadership. And he had these different tiers, in in a sense, in movements that were a part of his church movement that that created a true movement. And it wasn't like yeah, just the big, it was also the small. Mm. And it caused the rich and poor to come together. It caused men and women to both be empowered to be in these small little uh, groups where they could actually do ministry and be the church and then they could welcome new people in mm-hmm. and they were very vulnerable. They were very loving towards each other when they confessed sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but that was a big part of their groups was confessing your faults and then helping each other learn how to overcome those faults mm. uh, and then being fully devoted to your faith. And so those groups probably, they did some kind of Bible study and singing, but they weren't so much focused on even right doctrine as right practice. Like what right. are you putting into practice in your life? Right. Um, and to me, that's, I want to put, I tell our church, I want to put my arm around the presence, the miracles, the signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit encounters, the big gatherings, but I want my arm to be around just as much around discipleship and community life and daily living this. And I don't want one more than the other, and I don't want to let go of either. And Wesley is my biggest modern-day example, besides what I see in Christ's example and the Apostles' example in Acts. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my favorite right now. Yeah,
0: there's a book called The Radical Wesley. Mm -hmm. You should pick that up. That's a great book. Do you have another one that people can read? There's I think it's – I'm reading it right now. I think it's called The Life of –
1: the Life of John Wesley, um, and it's by Thompson or Tompkins, uh, okay. I wish, and you, it's it's on Amazon and all yeah, that. So it's a bestseller. And then also uh, John Wesley's
0: Class Meetings. That okay. book is very powerful. Okay. So pick those up, right? So mm-hmm. we, I, I want people to read about yeah, this yeah. because I think we lose history. Yeah. And when we lose history, we forget that mm-hmm. we're building on what others have already built. You yeah, know, there yeah. are things that we don't have to relearn. We can just keep learning. Right. Um, in addition to like Wesley's a hero of mine, yeah. right? Um, I would also say uh, Watchman Nee mm. is a hero of mine. An apostolic father yeah. from China uh, made a decision that when the door opened uh, in communist China for those who uh, of the local church and, and the Chinese brethren were to come to America, many mm. came, and Watchman Nee decided not to. And it's a powerful story if you read mm. about Watchman Nee. I know that some class uh, uh, they. They classified him as sort of heretical, mm-hmm. but a lot of that was as a result of translating uh, Chinese language into English, mm-hmm. and it wasn't understood. And so that's unfortunate yeah. unf- un- uh, that that happened. But uh, he's got two hundred and sixty books, mm-hmm. most of which were written in prison. But one of the things that I saw was is that he actually traveled all over China for years, and he would raise up house churches. And yeah. and you know, again, they had to do that because they couldn't have right. buildings, so it mm-hmm. wasn't about Anti buildings. Mm-hmm. It was like this is the way that they had mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. And so he was a modern day apostle. Yeah. And when the door opened from communist China to come to America, and many went, and they many of his companions were like, "Hey, you need to come." And he said he had a vision of a burning house, and he knew there were people in the house, and he said, "If people were in the house and the house was burning down, would you not run in to save as many as you could?" Yeah. And cool. that was the vision the Lord gave him, and he in his. Interpretation of that was, I'm going to stay in China. And he did. And it was like not long after that that he was imprisoned. And he literally stayed in prison mm-hmm. until the day he died. And it was, I think they say it was about a week or two before he was going to get out um, that he died in prison. He was supposed to get out, his wife would come and see him. But it was in prison where he wrote yeah. all these books. And the books are all free, they're online. You can yeah. read them. It's like uh-huh. 260 books yeah. that have been translated. Um, And so he's a modern-day hero of mine, but then another revival that's really touched my life, when I came to Christ, it was uh, 1999, and it was the tail end of what they call the Pensacola outpouring Mm -hmm. or the Brownsville revival, and evangelist Steve Hill, Pastor John Kilpatrick, Dr. Michael Brown... Um, I know it was highly criticized, but I watched many, many, many videos of of Steve Hill preaching, and he preached repentance like I hadn't heard. Now, I had just come to faith in Christ, but I came to faith in Christ and I was having Holy Spirit encounters. Like From the first couple months, I started having the Holy Spirit encounter me. I had angelic visitations. I know I don't talk about this all the time because I don't want to be known for my experiences, but I was having these encounters happen, and I started watching these videos of the Pensacola outpouring, and when Steve Hill would preach on mm. repentance. I would I remember going into my bedroom just literally on my knees crying. I'm not a crier. I'm yeah. on the once-a-year plan. <laughs> you know, I don't cry very much. It takes I a I make movement. up for you. That's Yeah, why. there you That's go. Why it why takes a movement. <laughs> I mean, I tear up. I tear up. And it's like that one show that my son watches where the guy like sucks the tear in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just do that. It's I need revival. That's a revival true. of tears. Right a now, revival right of tears. Amen. Um I, I would watch those videos, and I still, to this day, I started um, having my family watch them, and my son loves Evangelist Steve Hill, mm-hmm. and his messages were simple, but they cut you to the heart. Yeah. And I just remember going, oh, God, Like I, I and again, small meeting, big meeting, right. none of it matters. There was something in his spirit mm-hmm. that touched my life. And to this day, I can remember those videos. I can remember he, he used to have uh, all kinds of um, objects with him that he would mm-hmm. preach with. You know, he'd have mm-hmm. handcuffs, he'd have a big hammer when he'd preach about the hammer of God. And, and it just dramatically impacted me. I wanted to repent. I've never wanted to repent so much in my life than when listening to his message. And I never felt condemned by God. I never felt like, oh, I'm just a horrible sinner. It was just like, I wanted to be clean. I wanted my heart and my life right. to be clean, and as a result of wanting to be clean, I wanted to help other people see the beauty of Jesus, and yeah. and so that's part of what's marked my life. And I so I thank God for revival. I thank God for like, you know, the Holy Spirit being poured out and sweeping into a room and even into my own bedroom while I'm watching something or praying, and and so however it happens, like we actually do need an awakening. Yeah. And so I suppose just for the uh, last few minutes. What, what do you think is something that we need to focus on and ask God to do right now for the yeah. church of Jesus Christ?
1: I think that um, God needs... I, I think we need to act... We need to examine our lives. We, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our lives right now mm-hmm. and see if we're in alignment with the will and purposes of God as revealed in the Scripture. Amen. And I think the two ditches, uh, it's not like we need to be in the middle of these things, like my dad always says, God doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Amen. Um, you know, <laughs> come on, Dr. Uh, Dan, still, yeah. he's not even here. He's I know, preaching. That's right. But, uh, yeah. but it's good. Amen. That's it. Uh, so I think we need to watch out for the the collapse of m- biblical morals and ethics and yeah, com- right. a compromised word. And we need to stay away from sin and unrighteousness in this generation. We need to live holy lives. Yeah. And I think also we need I. to
0: progressive Christianity. Yeah, right. Okay. Keep going. And I think we need to also
1: get pulled out of the ditch where we think that law legalism, the right government. Again, I hope that we pray for some of these laws that are like yeah. being considered right now in, in uh the House and Senate. You know, it, we need to pray about those things, but these things are downhill of culture and I think political things, law is downhill of culture and culture to me is downhill of spirituality or morality, which Amen. comes from the church. Should come from right. the church right. of Jesus Christ. So uh, I, I think we have to say like we have to realize don't minimize your life, your family getting in order, your church, your your house church small group, your local congregation, don't minimize how big of a deal it is if you're red hot in love with Jesus, right. dealing Amen. with sin in your life, yeah. coming into obedience, letting God deal with your brokenness, uh getting up being a part of community. We've got these teachings now that the kingdom is like in the government and in when the land when all the nations are restored by the laws and that's the kingdom no, the the kingdom Paul preached the message of the kingdom as we see in Acts. Mm-hmm. Jesus preached the message of the kingdom, but all of his letters were about being prayerful, forgiving people, building good marriages, families, appointing elders, building strong churches. So we actually extend we we are extending the kingdom. We are experiencing revival when we obey the word wholeheartedly before the Lord and we partner. And yeah, we want we should have signs, wonders, and miracles confirming this word that we preach in our daily lives. So there should be a supernatural element of his presence in all of this. It's it's mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not negotiable, right? But then that should be lived out. So I think as we examine our lives holistically, allow the Holy Spirit to examine our lives holistically, and we get into living the book out in a robust manner, which includes influencing our community, which includes praying for our government leaders. So we're going to have influence in these spheres, but I think as we get our lives in order and wherever we have... A a zone. Some of our pastors at our church, Andre and Amber, like she tells her teams where she's worked in big uh, corporations, she's told her teams like, draw a circle around whatever you have control over Mm -hmm. and focus on that, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, that's very, that's a lot, that's powerful. And the church needs to hear that. What do we have control over right now? We need to draw a circle around that. And obviously we have some influence. We don't have control over everything that happens in the world. We have influence through prayer and through, but you know, uh, what do we have control over? Well, we have it over our own life, the way we treat our spouse. Amen. Are we a part of a church? Are we daily obedient? Um, and then, of course, if you're a Christian in government or a Christian in business or a, a Christian in healthcare or media, then then what you have control over influences a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're a, when you're a leader. Um, so anyway, it'd be like let's see what where we can participate in obedience and and really you know that old phrase like get on fire for Jesus like I think that's what we need we need people that are on yeah. fire for Jesus we yes. need that Jesus movement yeah we, we need do. the, the church they look at the church and they go man those people love Jesus that's and right they're out there healing the sick and they're caring for the poor and they're doing good deeds in their community yeah. and they're they're helping people with their marriages and they're lifting people and they're, and they're building bridges with people that are you know different uh, Ethnicities, uh, different backgrounds—they're helping immigrants, yeah, that's right. uh, and like the churches, those are good people. They love Jesus, you know. And yeah. I think if we get if we get back to that, then I think that's where we have power. And then I think eventually we see the reformation that comes from our fresh obedience to God. Amen.
0: Yeah, I think that what you're saying is really powerful. I, as you're talking, yeah. what I'm hearing in my head is we need to take full responsibility for our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm and everything that is under our care. And I think when we do that, it's kind of like in the Mm -hmm. world, there's a guy named Jordan Peterson. He kind of teaches that on us quasi-secular level, yeah. you know, he's almost like, just like a psychological he's like, level. people, people want to talk about how to change the world, but they can't make their own bed, you yeah. know? <laughs> right, <laughs> And it sort of sounds like a dumb principle, but it's so true. Uh-huh. And I think there's an awakening in the area of what is under your care and your control. Yeah. Are we taking responsibility for what we can do, mm-hmm. or are we just getting frustrated for what we can't do? Mm-hmm. And I think if revival starts in our hearts and our homes, which is sort of the phrase, phraseology that I'm using, yeah. your heart, your home, our church, I believe that that is actually going to influence people in such a dramatic way. It will shock us. Skeletons are coming out of the closet. Sins are getting confessed. Our accountability to the word of God and our love for Jesus is flowing out. You feel it, you see it, you Mm -hmm. sense it. And really, I believe that that is such a powerful word that you're sharing with Mm -hmm. us because it's just truth. Mm -hmm. It's just the truth. And it isn't all there is, but but when we're asking what's the next thing, that is the next thing. That is the next thing, and I think every pastor kind of knows that. People that are committed to the Church of Jesus, we know that. And so, here's what I, I would say: I, I I really do think that one of the um, one of the things that has to happen is is that our own sins yeah. have to come out of the closet. Like, it, it, here's something that I've heard people say: even Absolutely. like, can the church have revival if sexual sin? is as bad as it really is if divorce and sexual sin and all of that we're facing like can mm-hmm. we should we really be these railing people like mm-hmm. a- accusing the world and everything else or should we be Consecrating our lives, Mm -hmm. coming before a holy God. Maybe it's not. uh, It's a both and. But the reality is, is that it is grieving to to the Holy Spirit that it's so easy for us to shift gears and accuse others outside of us without being able to examine our own lives. And whether you know this or not, today's Good Friday. Uh And it's Easter weekend, although this isn't going to be aired on Monday. It's going right. to be another Monday because we yeah. have to record these in advance. But something I was thinking about and preparing for our Good Friday services is that when you stop looking at the sufferings of Christ, I mean, here's the innocent one, the righteous mm-hmm. one. He is the righteous one, yeah. right? He He's exchanging like his perfection for our imperfection. When you stop looking at the sufferings of Christ and you look to your own suffering or you, or you look at the sins of others, you fail to understand why Jesus had to come. Um, yeah. and how powerful in His in his brokenness that it literally settles and cleanses and purifies us. And as we look at the yeah. beauty of Jesus and why He suffered, why He came, why He died, mm-hmm. and what that means for me, it causes me to rise. Yeah. I rise in new life, and I want to bring life everywhere I go. And mm-hmm. so I've been thinking about, you know, tonight I'm leading our church a repentance, like forever. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at, it, at our own suffering, you know, yeah. and I'm not minimizing our suffering or pain, but if we've been looking too much at our own suffering, or we've been mm-hmm. looking at the sins of others and accusing them, it's time to look back on Christ. That's right. And in seeing his death and we behold his resurrection, new life, it just refreshes and restores and renews us. Yeah. And so I think I just want to close our time together. We need to do revival part two. Come on. Because I think I I never I don't even think I ever looked at any of these notes so they're really not notes they're just and it's not a script right but it is uh, sort of talking points and I don't have a clue what we did or didn't get to yeah but I so enjo- enjoyed talking to Pastor John because not only is he a friend but he's a person you're a person that believe mm-hmm. you believe in what we're talking about mm-hmm. and so do I and even if we can't say it the right way or fully articulate ourselves the reality is is that something that god wants to do it's it's without expression what mm-hmm. we're what we're looking for is full and complete and holistic and ongoing and and there's elements to it and I, we want more than anything else want to experience it yeah. i just want to walk in it you know like god like whatever it is whatever step we need to take whatever taste we want to give us today whatever more you want to give us tomorrow i just don't want to miss it mm-hmm. I just don't, I want I don't want to walk in less. I just don't. That's right. Why walk in less, you know, and what there's nothing worth it, you know, entertainment mm-hmm. or sin or whatever. It's at the end of all of that it's never worth it. What's mm-hmm. Jesus is worth everything. His plan, his purpose is worth everything. So, John, will you pray that we would experience fresh revival and not yeah. just the event, but just this ongoing holistic work yeah. of, of God's reviving work inside of us and awakening. Yeah. Just pray that and then um, mm-hmm. we're going to come back for revival part two, not next week, but probably in the weeks to come, because he had to drive an hour to be with me. So, all right. So pray over us. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I just thank you for this
1: opportunity to talk about revival. And Lord, we don't want to just talk about it, know about it, read about it. We want to experience revival. And Lord, we do, I, I do believe, Lord, uh, that revival does start with a fresh obedience. So wherever we're at, Lord, wherever there's areas of compromise or disobedience or maybe yeah. just half-heartedness, Lord God, uh, yeah. apathy in our spiritual Thank walk, God. that you would wake us up. Thank you, that Lord. you would awaken our families, our marriages, that you would awaken our churches, Lord yes, God, God, to be fully committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are the hope of revival. Yeah. You are the impetus. You are. We need to see you. Give us a fresh revelation of who you are. Let us yeah. see the fire in your eyes. Let us see the passion of your heart to love people, to revive your church church, to change the world, to to let us experience you. So I pray, Lord, that we would see the fruits of revival thank as we you, yield Lord. our hearts to you and we step into obedience to you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, not for obedience that's driven by this desire to please or, or look right on the outside, but Lord, out, out of your true grace yeah. that truly empowers us and enables us to live in holiness and to live the life that you've called us to live. Lord, we thank you for motivating us, filling us with your spirit, and I just pray right now, any Anyone, Lord that's hearing this that you that just has a heart to be filled by the Spirit that they would just yield their heart and they Thank would just you, Lord, long right to now. be filled yeah. uh, afresh and anew whether they've been filled before or not but they would, we would just say fill us up Holy Spirit give us a fresh encounter give us a, a fresh hunger a fresh zeal and passion for the things of God in our generation that Jesus you would be glorified in our lives in our homes in our churches and, and even in our nation Lord God we pray mm-hmm. Lord that as the mm-hmm. church gets in alignment with your word in your heart that we would see the fruit that we're longing for, yeah. even in society, Lord God, that many that are apart from Christ would come near because of what you do in the church of the, uh, in this hour. And I believe it's a time for revival and awakening, Lord. I believe it with all my heart. So may we continue to pray and believe, but may we also continue to live and participate in what you're doing in this time of revival
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you, Pastor John. And Love me. you, man. Love you, too. I'm so glad you joined us yeah, today. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on Conversations with Ben Dixon. We're going to be back next week, and you continue to join us on this podcast journey. God bless you.